Yeah. So when I was launching the sports law department, it was at the exact time that things were changing in the law for what college athletes could do um, to make money from their name, image, and likeness. And that is a huge shift that's been coming for really decades, for a really long time. It's been a discussion point. And so you certainly can't have a sports law department and not be talking about NIL right now. And um, it is the biggest topic in college athletics for a long time, and it will be for a long time. Welcome to the Athletes Doing Good podcast. We are so glad to be joined today by Megan Jarabic um, of Von Breeson. So thank you for have, for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. A little bit more about Megan. Uh, she represents current and former professional athletes on a variety of matters, including real estate, business, formation and trans- transactions, and estate planning. Um, super interesting background coming from Marquette's. Uh, we love that being from Wisconsin. Uh, and you've had a really, really uh, interesting stint too during that time being an intern at the legal department in Nike uh, in Portland, Oregon. And we know we're, you do so much more than just sports, but being an athlete's doing good in sports podcast, we're really going to dive into the sports aspect of your career today. Perfect. What's... Um... A, what made you get into kind of the sports side of of law? Yeah, so I I worked in um, advertising and public relations before after undergrad and before law school, and then when I went to law at I went to law school at Marquette, and they have a sports law program there, and so I started taking some sports law classes, and then did get the opportunity to go out and work at Nike. Um, while I was in law school. And what I did out at Nike was work in their endorsements and licensing area. And that was just the perfect combination of my advertising and marketing background and now like my new career in the law. And I just loved my time out there and really found um, coming from a public relations background, I wrote all day in my prior life and I still write all day in my current life. It's just a different type of writing. But I actually found a lot of similarities between the two um, in in the kind of law that I was practicing, which is transactional law, which means I help people and businesses do their work. And so I loved what I was doing at Nike. And they told me there, if you want to do this, and I think you should, then go back and become a really good transactional lawyer and come back to us. And so I came back to Wisconsin and I started practicing here doing transactional work, which is really a mix of business, real estate and trust and estates planning and um, just kind of never left. And so it's been a number of years here. And over time, I started um, having athletes as, as clients and then started getting asked to speak to athletes about the importance of planning and and estate planning and business work. And so I started a sports law department here at our firm a couple of years ago to really focus on that work. And um, it's really not different than what I do for my non-athlete clients. It's just, you know, slightly different nuances for what they need versus what, you know, a non-athlete client would need from me. But it was a great journey from, you know, working in advertising and marketing and then coming all the way to this space. 
That's really neat. Well, I'm an avid Badger fan. I also see. Um, so yeah. you're, <laughs> you are no, um, you are all involved in college athletics, I mean, whether it be just being a fan or serving on the UW Athletic Department Equity Diversity Council um, and the Board of Trustees for the Varsity Collective, which is awesome. But I'd love to talk a little bit more about NIL. And I know you have a little bit of experience in that area as well. Yeah. Yeah. So when I was launching the sports law department, it was at the exact time that things were changing in the law for what college athletes could do um, to make money from their name, image and likeness. And that is a huge shift that's been coming for really decades, for a really long time. It's been a discussion point. And so you certainly can't have a sports law department and not be talking about NIL right now. And um, it is the biggest topic in college athletics for a long time, and it will be for a long time. And so, yeah, we jumped right out to talk about it, to learn about it, to start advising both the athletic side of things and the company side and the athlete side about how to navigate this new space. So we hear so much of, you know, NIL being kind of the wild, wild west right now, right? So many things are changing, which is why people have individuals like you. but. What do you do to help the athletes navigate this? Yeah, it's really a totally different world for college athletes, right? We're used to professional athletes who have um, a team in place to help them connect with companies to do endorsements or licensing deals. They've played for a number of years, so they had a brand developed as far as a player brand, right? And people got to see them play. They got to see their personalities a little bit. There was this lead time into the professional realm that we had for a long time. And now you back that up with college athletes being able to enter into contracts with companies or nonprofits um, to use their brands to help sell products or to help communicate messages or all the things that companies use athletes to do in this space. And it's just a different world for what these athletes need because they don't have that lead time. They haven't learned it. They haven't really proven themselves on the field even so much. And so they're having to develop and figure out who they are as a player, who they are as a brand, how they're going to navigate this space at like 18 years old or 17 right, years old. Say, let's, let's not forget their age. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard because they just don't have the resource. When you were going into a professional sport, you likely played at the college athletic level at some level. And so you had this level setting of just world knowledge and, and industry knowledge that was given to you. And that's just not there for them when they step onto campus yet. It hasn't developed yet. And so they're at a disadvantage from that perspective. And so they need to be surrounded then with people that can really help them understand kind of all sides of what NIL looks like for them. It looks like understanding who they are as players and on and off the field, who they want to be and what brands they want to connect themselves with, how they want to navigate the like actual negotiation and legal space that comes along with that. And then how do they do that all while not losing focus on what they're actually there to do, which is to play um, and to try most for most of them to try to play professionally afterwards. So it's a lot to put on their plates without a lot of systems around them to help support what they're doing. And that's where I would say a lot of people say it's the wild, wild west, because there just isn't this infrastructure in place yet to help 
support and navigate where they're going. It's being built as we're talking, as it's being developed. And it's changing even over the amount of time that it's that it's been out already in into what those teams look like for athletes, how they find them, how they pay them, you know, all of those things is, be, is developing. Now, speaking of just it developing over the last few years, really, um, and kind of a little bit about the wild, wild west, uh, what do you what do you see when people think of NIL? Are they still kind of fearful about, you know, what it is, what it could be. Um, it's the NCAA and, you know, how it affects that. And what is your experience and knowledge in that area? Yeah, I would say athletes aren't afraid of it. They're excited by mm-hmm. it. They want to jump in They're You know, there's a, a little bit of like kind of crowd excitement with their peers who have, who have jumped into it. So I wouldn't say athletes are scared or worried about it. They're excited about it. I would say some of the hesitation comes from the other side for at least at the beginning, there was a big hesitation on the institutional side mm-hmm. to know how to navigate that, what they could do to help their athletes, what they couldn't do. They're so used to working within a black and white system. And this is kind of emerging as something that felt like you were in the gray, no matter what you were doing, because just nobody knew what was right and what was wrong. So from the institutional side of things, there's excitement, but also hesitation on the how. And then I would say from the company side of things, there's just like a complete lack of information or real understanding about what it is, how to get into it, why you might want to use it. Um, And so that's the piece that I feel like there's just still a lot of room for education for how to help companies and nonprofits access it and understand what it is. Because the media is talking mostly about using it for recruiting, right? About a donor, you know, in the media, the the article is the donor pays the money, the money goes to the kid, the kid plays for the team they want them to play for. That's like the, the media public understanding of it. From or it's the Gatorades and the Nikes and the very big companies doing billboards and national media campaigns. Like those are the two things you see covered. But really what it is for 99% of athletes is totally different than that. It's what we view as sports marketing. It's a brand or a company finding an athlete that aligns with its mission or its brand or its marketplace or whatever it is, hiring them to do endorsements, commercials public events, signings, that's what it really is for 99% of athletes and companies. But that's not what you see in the media. So that's the hard part. Given how, oh, sorry, to say, given how entrenched you've been in NIL, how do you see the landscape changing or where do you, where do you see growth potential, not only for the athletes, but institutions and brands? Yeah. I think number one, from you're going to see increased institutional participation. The, the schools are in the best place to help find and connect resources for the kids, the student athletes, and the companies. So you're going to see more and more allowance of the institutions participating in this landscape, where before it was sort of athletes, you can do it, but not through us, figure it out, right? Yeah. Because that's that's the position they were in through the NCAA and other other rules or state, state rules. You're gonna see more and more that the institution is the one providing access to resources for the student athletes and providing connections for the companies and the athletes themselves. 
So that's like number one. On the company side, you're going to see like a fair market rate being set for like, well, how much should I pay an athlete to come to my holiday party to meet my most valued clients? Because that's a value add experience that I want to give my, you know, my employees or my customers. Yeah. If they ask me that question right now, it's like, well, it depends on the athlete. There is no like rate sheet that we're checking nationally. There are certain resources that you can check, but part of it is, well, what's your budget? What are you asking? And let's talk to the athlete and figure it out. Yeah. So you'll see that develop as there's more history there about what is kind of a standard rate, what is an appropriate rate, like you have for professional athletes. Um, and I think that you'll see companies getting more comfortable with the array of ways this can be used. It's not just national billboard campaigns. And if you're not looking for that, then NIL isn't for you. Like that, that's not the case at all. And I think you'll see more companies saying, I would love to have an athlete at my event. I would love nonprofits. I would love for an athlete to come to my, you know, big brothers, big sisters event and help bring awareness and excitement by the kids and the families. You're going to see that a lot more of that as they figure out what it looks like. I think that, you know, it being the athletes doing good podcasts, you know, for, for me, I love to see the, the student athletes, the college athletes utilizing and maximizing NIL in order to, to be able to do good and be able to um, make those donations or be involved with the community or what they are. Do you see, you know, athletes getting more involved involved in foundations and nonprofits, you know, at a younger age because of this opportunity? Yeah, I do. And in fact, a lot of um, the initial NIL activity outside of the big national campaigns has been nonprofit and fundraiser work and charity, you know, softball games and other things you're seeing, you could not have the athletes there before. And so you are seeing that as like a natural entry point. It's good for the universities and the colleges they play for. It's good for their personal brands. It's good for their communities. It helps increase, you know, their branding, you know, value, if you will, because it gets them out there. And truth be told, for a lot of places, Wisconsin is no different. Our college athletes are celebrities here. They are the people that our communities want to see at those events. Professional athletes, absolutely. But it does extend and always has extended down to college. They just could never be there before. So, yeah, I absolutely think that nonprofits and foundation work is the place that you'll see this really expand in a way that, you know, they weren't able to before. And a lot of um, athletes do, especially this generation, that give back work resonates with them. They're interested in they want to do it. They want to find ways to use their platform to help give back to the communities that support them. So this is a great way for them to be able to do it. Absolutely. What's a piece of advice you would give a company Uh-oh. and an frozen. athlete? Yeah. I was like, oh, nat- <laughs> navigating this at- <laughs> sorry. Oh, you're back. Oh, back. <laughs> what is uh, a piece of advice you would give a company um, and an athlete navigating this current NIL landscape? Yeah, I think the first piece of advice that resonates for both companies and athletes is to really try to figure out what your brand is and to find a partner that 
you know, aligns with that. It's not to be authentic. It's got to be authentic. And it's, and it's hard to ask someone who is younger in age or experienced to know what that looks like, but it's such an important piece of what being an athlete at any level now means because they have this platform that I don't think it's bad for 18 and 19 and 20 year old athletes to be thinking about that early and figuring out what is important to me. Where do I want to be? How do I want to align myself with companies that reflect that? And I think the company should be doing the same thing. You know, how do we find an athlete that aligns with what we are trying to, you know, showcase to our customers or our clients? Um, and so that's the piece of advice for both is be true to yourself and figure out what that looks like so that you can find a partner that the match works for. We talk a lot about like finding your why. Right. Exactly right. Exactly right. And the harder, the harder part is that not a lot of college athletes have the you. They don't have somebody helping develop that for them and helping them think through that. That's where I think institutional involvement eventually will help because they'll be able to help have those conversations and guide those conversations a little bit. There are sports marketing agents out there that are doing that work for the clients that they're working with. Those are mostly the you know, higher compensated, more high profile athletes. So they are doing that. But um, I think that's where the education piece comes in to help a student think through what that looks like for them. Well, I think too, like you talked a little bit about it earlier that, you know, it used to be professional athletes, you know, that had this opportunity and now there's younger, you know, younger student athletes that are having this opportunity. And, and I typically say like, you have this platform, not only to be able to do good, but to be able to network and make those connections for, you know, when sports are done, whether it's professional or whether it's collegiate to have that mindset of what access you have while you're playing to be able to really help you throughout your life. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think for this even, it goes one step further for them in the connections they're making and the community that they're building, but also they're getting introduced to concepts now that you know adults in the working world, no matter what your job, is need to understand and they're getting that early they're understanding how taxes work they're understanding contracts they're understanding personal responsibility all of these things that um maybe weren't front in center before when their focus was solely on playing um that those are life lessons that whether they go professional or don't they're going to have a jump on because they've seen things and experienced things that not a lot of other people their age have had to do yet um because really they're startup companies you know i say every time i speak on nil that's like in in my mind conceptually these athletes need to think of themselves as startup companies incubators and they need all the things a startup company needs. They need advisors. They need tax professionals. They need to understand what their company is doing and what it stands for and how it operates. There's personal responsibility in that. And so they, that there's so many life lessons there to your point that are going to serve them so well post-college, whether that's in professional athletics or, or something else. Well, all of this information has been so insightful. We've learned so much today. And I know someone's going to listen to this and take something great away from it, whether it be a company or an aspiring 
college athlete. Uh, and, and lastly, we ask all of our lovely guests this, uh, being on the Athletes Doing Good podcast, what does Athletes Doing Good personally mean to you? To me, it means an athlete using their platform to enhance the community that they're surrounded by, whether that's their personal community, their actual community, their professional community are all free. Um, that is the best we can all hope for, whether we're athletes or not, right, is to be using whatever platform we're gifted um, and blessed with to be able to impact the lives of other people. Well, thank you for joining us. Thank you for educating so many as you do, not only through our podcast, but um, through all of your speeches and all of your interactions with student athletes. Certainly appreciate it. Yeah, happy to. Thanks for all you do for your athletes as well. Thank you. Take care.